Okay. Uh, Levi answered a question last week about uh, God's chosen people, and he traced the uh, record of God's plan coming through the Jews and then going over to the Gentiles after the death of Christ, including that in it. And uh, he showed that it was a plan all along that God had, and he talked about that. But I want to talk about the same question a little bit because I'm going to come at it from a different point of view, because I always have a different point of view. <laughs> and I want to come at it from the idea <clears throat> that uh, the phrase, God's chosen people, is very often, I believe, misunderstood. And we uh, assign to it ideas that are really not correct. And so we kind of got the idea that the Jews were the chosen people. You say, well, that's right, right? Yeah, okay. And that the Gentiles were left out. Jews got chosen, Gentiles got left out, and Levi traces that plan uh, beginning with Abraham and going down through the nation. Uh, but uh, I think the concept that attaches to it is that uh, God loves the Jews. Those are his chosen people. God loves the Jews and the Gentiles. He can take them or leave them. <laughs> yeah, going to do with these Gentiles. Take them or leave them. And I think that's a wrong concept of God. And we want to correct the original concept of God and then go on to show what the phrase God's chosen people actually applies, how it applies, or what it means. Uh, and so that wrong concept of God, if we're going to correct it, think rightly about God is a very important thing. And the attributes of God are overlapping. You know what an attribute is? It's the way that God is. <laughs> attribute of God, and they overlap. That is, one applies to another. So, if God is, uh, is merciful and God is eternal, then God is eternally merciful, okay? They, they overlap. So we're going to talk about this overlap a little bit and try to get it right. God loves. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who does God love more, you or me? Why is, it, why is it the same? Does God love the Jews more than the Gentiles? You sure? Okay. So we know that God loves, right? So we're going to take that attribute. God is love. We're going to take another attribute that's infinity. Infinity is what? Don't think you don't think you understand it. You don't. 
I can't explain infinity. It's, uh, it's not eternity. Uh, it is infinite amount. So you add and you add and you add the numbers and you add and you add and you add. And you add. So he loves you a hundred times, a thousand times, no. Million times, no. Billions, uh, numbers aren't uh, applicable to infinity. So we say we're going to go out, people say go out into space into infinity. Even space is limited. Infinity goes way beyond, it's just everything all the time. You can't grasp the concept of infinity. So if we say God is infinite and God is love, God loves us infinitely. It means he loves us and loves us and loves us. And so if people have connected the idea that God's chosen people are the ones that God really loves, and let's hope the rest of us get caught up along the way, that is incorrect. That's a wrong attitude towards God. And I want to go and point out today what God's chosen people, they were chosen to do what? And that's really the question. God chose people to do something. What were they chosen to do? What was God's people chosen to do? Well, the first thing that God's people were chosen to do was the Bible. And there's a reason that the Bible had to be written. What is it? What? You got a lot of reasons. They all come under one main reason. To know God. That's it. Why the Bible was written so you'd know something about God. Otherwise, what would you know about God? You'd know a little bit. You know a little bit about all that God is. You'd know that much. And the Bible tells us this. It says all you could find out about God, you'd look at stuff like that. You'd look at everything that God created, and you'd see uh, the wonder of it. Look at a mountain, look at a tree, look at all those things. You say, well, God's pretty powerful. But that's all you would get from looking at creation. All right? So we needed somehow to explain God and to tell us who God is. And so God needed to do that with the Bible. And he, used, he chose these people to write the Bible. That's one of the reasons they're chosen they need to write the Bible, explain to us who God is. And so we start right out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you know, the people who say, eh, I think this happened by accident. <laughs> what it says here. All right. And so we've got to learn about God. And then the first thing we find out is the human race has sinned and separated themselves by a choice. They made a choice and separated themselves from God. Now what? Now what? God is real. He created the world. And the human said, not me. You don't run me. You don't tell me what to do, God. And so now what? Now where are we at? Well, somehow there's got to be a way to change that. And so God had a plan. Redemption. And that's really 
the plan in the Bible. So he's going to write the Bible. He's going to tell us all kinds of things about God. He's going to explain God's problem, how do we fix the human race, and all those things are explained in the Bible. And then the ultimate reason that the Bible is written, we say to know God, right? How does that get answered? Jesus. There he is. There's God. He's walking here. He's talking He's living down here among the human race. There you got God. Right? So the point was, here's a Bible. Figure out who God is. Okay. Now we're going to send him to earth. There's God right there with us. Did you know him? Whoops. Whoops. We don't know him. Didn't know him. He came down here, he didn't know it. So he say, well, the Bible must have failed. No, the Bible didn't fail. All right, now let's take a look at Jesus as he explains the very thing what I've just said. John chapter 4, he's talking to uh, the woman at the well. And he's going to use a phrase that's exactly what the reason the Bible is written. Here it is. All right. We're in John chapter 4, in verse 21. He's talking to the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He's standing at Mount Gerizim. It's in Samaria. And there the, uh, he's talking to this woman. And she says, Well, you Jews got your own way. We got our own way. We worship on this mountain. He said, Well, the day's coming when. Neither one of them are going to count. 22, you worship, you know not what. So they go to their Mount Gerizim and they make sacrifices just like the Jews. And they say, well, who are you sacrificing to? Well, uh, uh, well, God, whoever he is. And Jesus said, you don't know who he is. You say you worship him, but you don't know who he is. You don't know anything about him. He says, the Jews, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. That is the plan of redemption that came from God, went to the Bible through his chosen people, and they carried the message. So how is the whole Bible that message? Because in the Old Testament, what happens? Well, you've got to do something. If you're going to fix the problem with God, you take a lamb, put your head, hands on his head, and you say, I've sinned, I've done this. And then you take the knife, you take the knife, not the priest, and you slit the lamb's throat. And they catch the blood in a bowl, and they pour it on an altar. All right? And so all these sacrifices, the Bible says, are pictures of what's coming. So you slit a lamb's blood, pour it on the altar. He said, there, now you got a picture of what's coming. How do we know? Because Jesus is going to come what? And die and shed his blood like the bull you caught every time you killed a lamb yourself. He's trying to tell you, this is what's coming. So the whole Old Testament 
says somebody's coming, the Messiah, is the word that they apply to it, or we know that that was Jesus, he's coming. He's coming. The Old Testament is a picture. So you get the idea of the shedding of blood, the, the confession of sin, right? transferring of guilt. All those concepts are there in the Old Testament because the Jews were writing the Bible and showing us all those things were coming. Right? So he says, you don't know what you're worshiping. Finally, Jesus comes in the flesh. You can see him. You can touch him. You can listen to him. You can learn from him. That's God. And the Old Testament shadows go ahead to Christ, right? All the light of Scripture shines on the head of Jesus. All the light of Scripture shines on the head of Jesus, right? So you identify Jesus. So along come the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're the religious experts, right? He said, that ain't the Messiah. That's not him. We don't think that's the Messiah. That's not God. They had wrong concepts of God. Really wrong. Really wrong concepts of God. Uh, Mostly they thought what? Well, when Messiah comes, he's going to be one of our people. We're chosen. We're extra special. We're better than everybody else. So, of course, Messiah will have to come from our people. One of us, he's going to have to be educated. And, of course, we've got lots of rules, and so he's going to follow all our rules. That's going to be the Messiah, because we're the chosen people. They had a wrong concept. They thought that being chosen would make them better than everybody else. And that is not what, why they were chosen. They were chosen, number one, to write the message from God of what was coming through the Bible. We know the plan of redemption in the Old Testament, and then Jesus arrives in the New Testament. That's what they were chosen to do, identify God's plan, and then here comes Jesus. Now the plan is clear. There you know who God is. And so that chosen when we talk about it, uh, that chosen thing is what it was about. And not that God loved them more. You can't be any more wrong than to think that God loved them more. That's what they thought. That's what the Pharisees thought. Look at us. Here we are. We're perfect. And of course the Messiah is going to be like us because we're perfect. Who else? You know, who else can do it? All right. So the concept that the chosen ones were somehow extra special is not really what it was. They were chosen by God to do a job to bring the information to the world from God. So now we know who God is. And that's how we learn who God is today. We open the Bible. You won't know who he is until you get into the book and find out who he is. You find out a lot of things as we go along. Now, one of the things I think that shows it, and the Bible is very careful to do this, is that we think, wrong concept, these people are loved by God better than anybody else. They even thought that themselves. All right? We said, no, God loves infinitely. That means there's nobody that he loves 
any more or less. He loves everybody with the entire uh, love of his heart. So nobody loves more or less. We know that about God. So uh, God says, well, I can prove it to you. Look at your Bible. Have you read it? That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. I love it. He said, oh, did you read that? <laughs> and of course, they go, we read the whole Bible. We got it memorized. He said, did you really read it? Do you really know? And they didn't know. They didn't know, all right? Let's just take a little walk through the Bible to show, number one, that God loves everybody an infinite amount, uh, don't have to be part of the chosen clan. And then we go down just a little bit in time, we meet a man named Enoch. And what does it say about Enoch? Enoch walked with God and was not, for he was translated. That is, he loved God so much that he spent all his time talking to God. And one day God said, I'm taking you to heaven just like you are. I love you. Come on. And up he goes. Disappeared. Where did he go? Lived here for, what, 300 and some years, and he disappeared. Well, where did he go? He went up to heaven. I think that's, that's a lot of love. Was he part of the chosen people? No, he's just a guy. About, what is it, five generations in or something? He's a guy. Then go a couple more generations, and we meet a man named Noah. Is he Jewish? No. He's not, but what happened to Noah? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So here's a guy, he's not chosen, not anything, but God looks down. I love the way that guy thinks. I love the way he behaves. He'll do anything I tell him. He trusts me completely. So build an ark. How many people have been to the ark down in, where is it? Kentucky. I was down there not long ago, and I know in my head the dimensions of the ark, because I learned them. And you think, that's a big thing. Go stand inside that thing. And you look around, oh my goodness, this thing is huge. Huge. And God said, make it that size. <laughs> and he said, I trust Noah. He'll do exactly what I ask him. And so he used Noah to save the human race. He's not Jewish. He's not the chosen one. Go a little farther in time. We got a guy named Job. Is Job Jewish? Is Job chosen? But God said what? I got a perfect man on earth. I don't think he said that about anybody. He said to Satan, hey, I got this guy. He's perfect. Go check him out. Satan said, I'll work him over. He worked him over pretty good. In the end, he came out all right. He wasn't, these are just people who believed in God. They're not chosen. Now you say, well, you come along, and now we got Abraham next. Yeah, we got Abraham, and he has an ancestor named Eber, which eventually comes Hebrew, all right? And his family begins this people who are chosen to do something, write the Bible, and be the, it starts with one person, all right, and then it turns to a family. He has a son, becomes a family, and that family grows into a tribe. His grandson has 12 sons. 
becomes a tribe. They go to Egypt and it becomes a nation. And God's working with them to write the Bible, to prepare the way, make sure that when Jesus comes you know who he is. All right, so there's the beginning of what we call chosen. Chosen to do something. Right? And then we go a little farther, we find some more people. <coughs> we find a lady named Rahab. Who's she? She used to live on the wall of Jericho. And the spies came in to spy out the place. And she says, I believe in your God. I don't believe in the gods inside the Jericho. And they said, as long as you don't turn us in, we'll save you. And the whole place fell flat, except for her house. <laughs> Imagine being in that house. That must have been cool, man. I'd love to be standing in that house, and the whole wall is crumbling around you, and there's your house, the only one standing up on the wall, because she believed in God. She's not Jewish. She marries in to the family and becomes part of the exact line that will lead to Jesus. He becomes an ancestor of Jesus. Go a little farther. You meet a lady named Ruth. Who is she? She's a Moabite. She's from the tribe of people that were the descendants of uh, a knothead that uh, made some real messes in his life. And uh, he, uh, she's a part of that. She marries into the family and becomes a descendant of King David. So now we're putting Gentiles, not chosen people, into the plan. They're right in the plan now. All right? They're right there. Never excluded. God never said, no, 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 no. You can't come in. You're a Gentile. No, no, no. Bring them in. Bring them in. And we have, I think, one of the wonderful stories in the Bible. When uh, Jesus is born, who shows up? We three kings of Orient are. Who comes and says, I was looking for the king of Jerusalem. People who didn't know anything about it. Kings or actually wise men uh, from the east. And so we add into this group wise men who came looking for Jesus. So how does Jesus feel about it? Two fascinating stories. One in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. See what he thinks. Matthew chapter number 15. So you're getting the idea, right? Jesus never excluded anybody. Anybody. He didn't say, you can't have this. If somebody wanted it, they got it. They came in and had it. All right? They were even made into the family. All right? Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, cried to Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And he answered her not a word. The disciples came, besought him, saying, Send her away. She crieth after us. He said, I'm not sent to the lost sheep, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered back, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Sounds like he's treating her pretty bad, doesn't it? And then she said, truth, Lord, the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the table. Jesus answered, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it even unto thee as thy will. There's two times that people were said to have great faith in the ministry of Jesus. One is this woman who is a Canaanite. She's a Canaanite. Who are they? Who are the Canaanites? Those are the people that were in the promised land when God said, this is, we're going to give this land to Israel, so the Canaanites need to be killed. They didn't kill them all. So here's one that's a descendant of a group of people that were so vile that God said, wipe them off the face of the earth. Why were they doing that, Canaanites? Because they sacrificed babies. They made fires and rock, take a, a newborn baby, throw it in the fire. God said, I hate it. I'm done with it. Their cup of iniquity is full. Wipe out the Canaanites. Here's a descendant of those people. And Jesus says, you got a lot of faith, honey. You're in. You got what you need. She's not Jewish. All right. There's another one over in uh, uh, Luke 7. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse number 6. There's a fellow here. Uh, he's got a servant that's ready to die. Verse 6. Jesus went with them, and he was not far from the house. Centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to thee, but saying a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am also a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, another come, and he cometh, and my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, turned him about, and said to the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel." So there's two people that Jesus mentions as having great faith. One's a Canaanite and one's a Roman soldier. They got more faith than all the people in Israel. So take them in. We'll take them in. So at any time, at any place in early history, in later history, in the time of Christ, when somebody wants in, they're let in. If somebody wants to be a part, they're brought in. Whether it's Job Nobody knows how he got to know what he knew, but he knew, all right? And so they are gathered in. So if you ever get the concept that God's looking at them Gentiles, I didn't choose you. Don't, don't think it. Never once did he turn anybody away. God doesn't do that. Infinite love won't let God shut the door and say, you're a Gentile. You just have to wait. Uh-uh. They never had to wait. All they had to do was come. All they had to do was come. Whether they enter the family like Ruth and Rahab, who actually uh, are, uh, uh, Jesus is a descendant of those ladies. All right. It doesn't matter. Whatever it was, they were allowed to come. So if you think that none poor Gentiles are on the outside, then you're thinking like a Pharisee. 
They weren't on the outside. Always allowed in if you want to come. Isn't that the God we know? Right? He say, well, you got to go to the right church before I let you in. Right? You got to somehow learn these things and then we'll decide if you make it or not. That's not God. That's not a God of infinite love. God of infinite love says, you want in, you come. You're welcome. And the record then of Jesus and this whole issue of God's chosen people is this. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. That's who can come. Doesn't matter who you are. So the concept that people have of uh, the Gentiles are on the outside and the Jews are on the inside. Well, what about the Jews in the end? It doesn't matter. When they want to come, they'll be let in too. That's what it'll be. When they decide they want to come, they'll come. They'll be let in. And the same is true for every human from Adam to the last one that's born. If you want in, you are free to come. All right? So chosen people, what's the purpose? Write the Bible. Explain the way. Say what God will do. And then when you see him, there he is. You'll know who he is. You will know God. That's what they're chosen to do. And that's what they did. The Bible author is very skillful in telling us about God. Thank you.